Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday, July 14th. As an obvious PSA, I've mentioned it a couple times this week. Hosting the herd today. Make sure to tap in FS1, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, noon on the East Coast. I know that's how you want to spend your Friday, watching me fire hot takes into the sun. You're going to love every minute of it. And you're going to love every minute of this podcast. Remember, last weekend, we took you into the weekend with a preview of the NFC East. This week, we'll do the NFC West. Last week, we had Warren Sharp. Yesterday, we had Kevin Clark. We're starting to bring out the big guns for NFL previews, help you, obviously, with the gambling going forward this season. I do want to start, before we get to the NFC West, just quickly, quick five, 10 minutes on my guy, DK Metcalf. I say my guy because he's come on the herd a couple times, and of course, I like asking him questions. He remembers that I uh, made the stupid comment about the Seahawks uh, finishing above 500. I'd shave a logo in my head. Had to end up doing it. Anyways, Metcalf's a very smart individual. Uh, I believe he's from like Mississippi or something. He's a great story, uh, and he looks just like an Adonis. You're like, who could guard this guy? And he's one of the top receivers in the game right now, no doubt about it. But for whatever reason... DK Metcalf decided to fire off his top five receivers of all time. Okay, DK Metcalf gets asked this. My first thought was, oh, where did he put himself? But he's smart enough and self-aware enough to not put himself in the top five. DK Metcalf one day might get there, unlikely, but he's had an awesome career, uh, probably Hall of Fame bout. We'll see. It's still early. He's got a long way to go. But these were the top five wide receivers, according to DK Metcalf in NFL history. At five, he had Julio Jones, Tough to argue. I'll give mine in a moment, and Julio's in there. Number four, he had Jerry Rice. I'm going to pause there. As the fourth best receiver of all time, he had Jerry Rice. Number three, Terrell Owens. Number two, Randy Moss. And I could probably say you have four guesses to guess who he had number one. If Julio, Rice, T.O., and Moss are off the board, I don't think you could get it. And the answer is Antonio Brown. And I heard this, and my head was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Antonio Brown, the best receiver in the history of the NFL? And I'm like, okay, when did A.B. dominate? All right, it was, well, he was playing recently. He won a Super Bowl with the Bucs and Brady. But his prime was like seven years ago. D.K. Metcalf was probably like in his formative years, like what, like uh, late high school, maybe early college, and he was emulating him. Um, And listen, Antonio Brown had a great career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. His peak was really, really, really strong with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he put up monster numbers. I'm not going to rattle them off all here for you. But then I asked Rob, like, oh, what are we going to talk about? You know, and I I saw this list, and there's a couple other things in the hopper, but I thought this kind of irked me to the point because, Rob, I started looking at my top five, and Antonio Brown's not even in my top five. I don't think that's a hot take. I mean, there's a the top five receivers is tough. You expand it to 10, Antonio Brown makes it, obviously. But... For me, top five is like, listen, this is rarefied air. And Antonio Brown, for me, doesn't get in there. Now, where it gets tricky is, are we just talking stats? If this becomes a baseball discussion, which some people love to talk stats in baseball, who cares about winning? Mike Trout's never won a playoff game in his career, but for like five years, he was the best player in baseball. Baseball's weird, guys. It is, like I, I, I like going to baseball games, but this idea that like, 
postseason success doesn't matter. Somebody tweeted me that when I mentioned baseball in here. They were like, dude, have you looked at Ted Williams? He's considered like the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. And I think he has 25 postseason at-bats and five hits. He had 200 in his MLB postseason career. But he's the greatest hitter of all time. It's like, I thought it mattered more when you did it in the postseason. So, listen, I, I'm not going to go overboard uh, with Antonio Brown's stats. But I do have to ask, how much do we take into account this off-the-field idiocy, lunacy, this rap sheet that he's got, uh, all the all the knuckle skull stuff that he did, like a bunch of it, knuckle skull. That's not even a thing. Um, just idiotic behavior off the field, consistently getting in trouble. Um, was in the doghouse at the end with Tomlin. I, Rob G surely remembers the Raiders thing where he like, I, I don't think he wanted to play there. And then he had the thing where he um, frostbite on the bottom of his feet from um, from from the cryotherapy. It was just like bizarre. Like, what's wrong with this guy? And then he wins the Super Bowl with Tampa and Tom Brady knew how good he was. So Tom Brady brought him to Tampa. I think he lived in Brady's house and he ended up going back at Brady, just hammering him on social because he's a jerk. Um, But I wouldn't have Rob Antonio Brown in my top five. So I'm just going to quickly rattle off my top five, counting down from five to one, Rob, and then you could do yours. Again, I looked at AB's peak. It was sensational. He was a target machine. However, my top five, I'm going, this is tough. I'm going to go Julio Jones at five. Edges out a strong group. Marvin Harrison should have been there. His peak with the Colts was insane. Um, Chris Carter had an unbelievable career with the Vikings. Double-digit touchdown machine. Um, I think Larry Fitzgerald is in that discussion. Durable, class act, unbelievable. And Antonio Brown was in there for the fifth spot. I went Julio Jones. For number four, I went Calvin Johnson. Now, I know some people are definitely not going to like Calvin Johnson on this list, but he is a Hall of Famer. He did retire at 30, so his stats are slightly depressed. But I'm just talking, when you are just look at wide receivers like being unguardable, Calvin Johnson, unguardable. Go up and get anything. Um, 6'5", Megatron. His stats are really, really, really strong. And a lot of the guys on this wide receiver all-time list played with like a historically great quarterback, Montana Rice. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Randy Moss's quarterbacks when we talk about him shortly. Terrell Owens, great quarterbacks. I mean, Julio Jones had Matt Ryan, but he did win an MVP award. Um, Matt Stafford never won an MVP. He was the quarterback for, I think, all of Calvin Johnson's years. Stafford did go on to win a Super Bowl when he left Detroit. But, like, I have Calvin Johnson in there. I know that's going to irk some people. And then the top three, I think, are pretty locked in. Terrell Owens at three. Uh, Jerry Rice at uh, we'll go Randy Moss at two, Jerry Rice at one. So th- rounding out the top five, Julio Jones five, Megatron four, Terrell Owens three, Randy Moss two, Jerry Rice one. I don't think there's anything hot takey about that, Rob. I just, I, I needed to like drill down, look at the stats, and I'm not going to beat you over the head with double-digit touchdown seasons and all-pro seasons and targets and receptions. But like, again, Antonio Brown, really, really good. But for me, maybe not for you, he does have to take a bit of a ding for his off-field behavior. Not a huge ding, not like an O.J. Simpson ding, but he takes a ding nonetheless. And I will add this. If you put Moss and Rice next to each other, I think that is like pick out of a hat, flip a coin. Moss did have issues, though. Um, At the end in Minnesota, at the Raiders, he just didn't want to try. Now, you can maybe not fault him because it's the friggin' Raiders, Rob's team. Um, But I, I think he takes a little, little bit of a hit there. 
and, and I have rice number one. But Rob G, I'm curious. Number one, is my list perfect? Obviously. And number two, uh, where are you on on the immortal DK Metcalf putting Antonio Brown one? No, your list is not perfect. Um, the only thing that I will <laughs> say, and I think that you are spot on, is the num- the top three are, are locked in, in my opinion. Jerry Rice is one. Randy Moss is two. T.O. is three. I think anyone with half a brain is going to agree those are the top three receivers of all time. Four and five is where it comes down to personal preference. Where I really disagree with you and where I, I, I see eye to eye with DK Metcalf, though, is Antonio Brown on the field was as good in his peak as anybody in the NFL, including Jerry Rice. There was a stretch of Antonio Brown's career from 2014 to 2017, where he was all pro first team four straight years. The only other receiver to ever do that is Jerry Rice. And I think he did that twice. So that tells you how big of a gap is between Jerry Rice and everybody else. But when you consider just the Pittsburgh years with Antonio Brown, because I know it got really wonky there at the end with New England and Tampa and him basically, I don't know if you count the Raiders era since he never actually played it down for them. But if you just look through their age 30 seasons, the first nine years in Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown, 11,207 yards, 74 touchdowns. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, the most gifted, physically gifted receiver in NFL history, 11,619 yards, 83 touchdowns. In what world would you imagine that Antonio Brown, who stands all of what, 5'10", 185 pounds, is putting up almost identical numbers to Megatron 6'5", 235. It's because Antonio Brown was that good. And were it not for the frostbitten feet and allegedly the CTE, I think we would be having a legitimate conversation whether or not he comes close to even cracking the top three in all-time wide receivers. Antonio Brown flamed out not because he couldn't play anymore, but because Antonio Brown became a problem in the locker room and became a problem off the field. So I totally understand why DK Metcalf would have him as number one. I mean, I think he could be no higher than two because I think Jerry Rice is far and away. It's not even close. Whoever you want is number two. But I understand why someone like DK Metcalf, given his age especially, would hold Antonio Brown in such high regard. I do. Let me add this. So Antonio Brown had a weird career. I think I've talked about this in the past, but like he was a college um, quarterback. He was a high school quarterback. Like the guy was super dynamic, but he ultimately realized he had to change because he wasn't going to be a quarterback in the NFL. So like it was a big, steep learning curve. That's why he's like, I think he was a fifth or sixth round pick. Um, But my problem though with Brown, again, like you said, like if you just look at those four years and you stacked him up, he's certainly in the discussion. But unfortunately, we've got an entire career to look at. And a guy like Chris Carter, when he was 34 years old, is catching 13 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. Like Antonio Brown's out of the league at 34. Now, Chris Carter's first five years, he was, eh, you know. But again, that was late 80s. It wasn't, it was still like a run-heavy league. They didn't even track targets for the first five years of Chris Carter's career, you know. So like, ultimately, Carter ramped up big time. And like, you know, I worked a little bit with Chris Carter, interesting guy, played to pick up basketball with him at UCLA. And um, my favorite Chris Carter story is we go to UCLA with, I think, five of us to play pickup basketball. And, you know, Chris Carter's in really good shape. And then like the first game, he's talking trash to guys, like college kids. And this is like a 50-year-old man, like doesn't know the guys instantly is talking trash. I'm like, okay, 
He was on our team. I don't really remember how we did. I think we lost and won. I, I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't awesome, but like, he was like talking, he like blocked somebody's shot and was literally yelling at this college kid. I was like, bro, what is your, geez, Chris Carter. I mean, listen, he could ball, no doubt. And he's a great football player. At any rate, I just wanted to push back a little bit, a little bit on the DK Metcalf top five. Now, listen, uh, I don't know what Justin Jefferson started this week with his whole top five quarterbacks, but I guess this is going to be a thing. You know, it's July, not a lot to talk about pre-camps. Um, we got a couple more days here, but um, DK Metcalf, get your top five straight. All right. We're going to pivot now quickly and move to the NFC West, a division that as recently, Rob, as two years ago, two years ago, was um, maybe one of the best divisions of football. You had the Niners, you had the Rams, and you had the Cardinals. Seattle was kind of down on its luck for a moment. But this division all of a sudden is falling on hard times. Let me just rattle off the quarterbacks for you in this division. Arizona, currently TBD because Kyler Murray's injured and coming back off surgery. Geno Smith, had a good year, comeback player of the year, all that fun stuff. We'll see. Matt Stafford, coming off elbow surgery. I I talked about it here. A lot of other people have talked about it recently. Um, We were early on this. The Rams were looking to get Matt Stafford to readjust his contract. Him and his agent, Jimmy Sexton, said no shot. Rams were looking to explore trading him. That's why I mentioned the Jets and the Rams back in January. We were way early on this. Ultimately, they made other moves uh, in contracts, and now the Rams are just giving it one more shot. But this ain't the Rams team that won the Super Bowl, guys, or even close. And then finally, you have the Niners, who Kevin Clark was on here yesterday, and he thinks Sam Darnold might start the opener. Okay? Sam Darnold, who was, I mean, he was in Carolina last year and kind of sort of bad. Um, But we'll see. Kyle Shanahan touches anybody, they're good. And I don't know, uh, Rob, I just keep coming back to, in this division, it is the 49ers running away with it, but they have the quarterback question. And then after that, I don't trust any of the other teams. I do think Seattle's probably got the largest variance of potential. Like, listen, man, they surprised everybody last year. They had a five and a half win total to start the season. That's why I opened my big fat mouth and said, oh, if these jokers finish above 500, I'll shave the logo in the side of my head. I said it flippantly. Five and a half win total. You're thinking, okay, maybe they win seven. Maybe they win eight. They're not winning nine. And then they win that season opener. And I was like, okay, not great. Uh, and then, of course, Baker Mayfield vomits all over himself in the season finale, throwing the overtime interception. Um, of course, Baker Mayfield. And, and then Gino and, and Seattle get the dub and finish nine and eight. Get to the playoffs. They got destroyed by the Niners, but they got to the playoffs. Um, the, the, after that, though, I don't think the Rams have any shot at the playoffs. I didn't realize I was crushing them so hard um, talking to Kevin Clark yesterday and, you know, a video went up online and people are like, why are you a hater? Why do you hate the Rams? I'm like, what what are you talking about? They're not a good football team. You want a joke? Go look at their their depth chart on defense. I'm telling you, it's Aaron Donald and, huh? What's going on here? And then you start looking at the offense and I know McVay knows offense and you guys know this. Like, I've been out here in L.A. for a minute. I start to, you get to know people. You're friends with dudes who are friends. Like, I got a buddy who's traveling uh, with uh, an NFL quarterback who plays in the NFC West, okay? And apparently, like, this, this quarterback loves this new receiver he's got from BYU. Look him up. Get him on your fantasy team. Uh, late round sleeper. And, and, like, the offense, there's some optimism among the Rams. Like, they could be good. Can the offensive line, like, get together? And then you look at the defense, and they're going to hemorrhage points. And unless McVay can outscore everyone, I'm just telling you guys, this is a five, six, seven win team. 
Go look at what Vegas says about him. And you could hate me for all I uh, say about the Rams. But the reality, Rob, is you look at Vegas and they're favored in uh, like very few games this season. It does not. I think it's two of their first 10 they're favored. Like that's not good. They're going to be underdogs against everybody except the Cardinals. We're not even talking about the Cardinals because they are a total dumpster fire. I nearly led the show with Kyler Murray's comments, but I need to let them sink in a little bit more and totally refine the take. I might mess with it on herd tomorrow or save it for next week here on the pod. But Kyler Murray's just saying all the wrong things. That team is a three, four, five win team. The Rams are like a four, five, six, seven win team. And I think Seattle, Rob, they could be under 500 if Geno regresses, but I, I, I hate to say it. I love the Jackson Smith, the Jigba move in the draft. They now have Lockett, Metcalf and JSN. And it's like, it's going to be hard to stop this team. And the, the the irony of it all is, if you remember, Rob, Russell Wilson, you know, was kind of hamstrung by Pete Carroll. We want to run the football, win with defense, Legion of Boom, blah, blah, blah. And then they let Russ cook for half a season. Then he has like four interceptions in one game. And they're like, no more, no more, no more. They would go back to the run. Then Russ gets upset. Well, what did they let Geno Smith do last year? A lot of passing. All the numbers. Uh, early down passing. Seattle like flipped totally from what they did previously with Russ. And now they're like a passing on early downs team. It's like Pete Carroll's like having a rejuvenation at 73 or whatever age he is. And all of a sudden, Seattle's kind of sort of interesting. Um, I don't currently have them in the playoffs yet, but that could change come August. Um, I can't imagine, Rob, that you're going to have any disagreement. Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Not right now. Talk to me again in a month. I could be swayed to putting the Rams above the Seahawks. Not because, I mean, everything you said about them is true. Very top heavy. The defense is limited outside of Aaron Donald. Um, we don't know about Matthew Stafford's elbow, you know, obviously. But to Kevin Clark's point on yesterday's podcast, I have a very, very hard time believing that Sean McVay passed up on hundreds of millions of dollars from Amazon or Fox or whatever wanted to get him to be a broadcast to come back to a team that goes five and 12. I think that he has something up his sleeve. He's going to be able to maximize the talent that they do have in a way that few other coaches can. The question though becomes to your point, do they have enough on defense to where Stafford can overcome the offensive line and not have to score 31, 32 points every game to win? If they're able to just be competitive, the bend but don't break defense, I could see them maybe making a play at the wild card. But that's a big if. So, uh, you know, I just was able to look it up real quick. Two years ago, Rob, just two years ago, the Rams won the Super Bowl. They beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And the Cardinals made the playoffs with Kyler Murray. Within just two years, it looks like from my vantage point, the Rams are cooked. You may disagree. And we both agree the Cardinals are complete garbage. And Kyler got his money. And if they win three games and have the number one overall pick, Rob, they're going to be rebooting. This is what doesn't happen in the NBA. And you know this, Rob. Like, if you get a star in the NBA, you're pretty much set. If you're LeBron with the Cavs, you're going to be in the mix. Conference finals, NBA finals every year. You get Curry. You set up it up around him. You're good for like a decade. It just doesn't work like that in the NFL. Nothing lasts for long, whether it's players, teams, dynasties, coaches. It's just so wacky how quickly things can flip. Yeah, and I'll do you one better. 
you don't see this in the NFL. Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl champion, some would say is one of the great quarterback prospects that we've had in the last mm. 20 years, just in terms of a prospect coming out of college. Kyler Murray, such a good athlete, he was selected in the first round of both the NFL and the Major League Baseball draft. People saw him after his first or second year, they're like, oh, yeah, his ceiling is higher than Lamar Jackson. Like he, not only can he run like Lamar, but he can throw it just as well or as yeah, some of the other upper echelon quarterbacks. Geno Smith, I know that he's, you know, been a punching bag coming off a Pro Bowl season. And yet we all agree universally, the best team in that division and probably the best team in the NFC, this side of Philadelphia is led by Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. Like, remember, we've been told that you have to have a franchise quarterback if you're gonna do anything in this NFL. And yet the team that you would say just on paper has the biggest question mark at quarterback because Brock Purdy's got an elbow issue. Sam Darnold's a bust and Trey Lance, it looks like a bust. He might not even, he might be third string at this point. And yet we all agree the Niners should easily win this division. This is incredible. How did you end up picking Raiders over the Niners when you're uh, picking a team to uh, follow or root for? Well, I, li I live in LA, not in the Bay Area, so that helped. So there was no, there was never any consideration well, for the Niners. When you were a kid, were, was it the LA Raiders? Yes. Or it wasn't Oakland? They had just moved, you know, ah. well, at that point. So, and also, um, we've talked about this before. My dad worked at the Coliseum That's at right. the time when the Raiders were there. So even though he grew up as a Rams fan and, and ended up passing away as a Rams fan, um, all of the gear that he would get from working there was always Raider stuff. So mm -hmm. our closets were stocked up with the really sweet triple goose, you know, Raiders jackets the quarterbacks wear, the starter jackets. We had everything back then. You were gangbanging with the Raiders starter jacket. Yeah, gangbanging, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Great week. Uh, next week should be fire once again here on Straight Fire. We'll talk to you then.